Well, I hope everybody completed their homework last week. I'll do it to you We are going to pick up and finish this morning in 2 Samuel. Uh, I know I got off track a little bit, but uh, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes that just happens. Uh, this morning we're going to be in uh, 2 Samuel 23. We're actually going to do, read uh, verses 1 through 7 of 2 Samuel 23, and then I'm going to go on over to 24 uh, and, and conclude 2 Samuel. Uh, but first let's bow our heads for prayer Heavenly Father we come to you this morning just Lord in awe of your sovereignty and your mercy on your people Lord we just praise you and give you honor and glory and Lord we just ask that this service might bring honor and glory unto you Lord I lift your people up to you Lord you know circumstances that, that are in each and every one of our lives and Lord, you're the answer to each and every one of those circumstances. And I just ask, Lord, that people, your people who are going through circumstances and trials and tribulations, Lord, turn to you. Lord, lean on you and bow at your feet and give it all to you. Because, Lord, you are the only answer. There's, we can't do anything, Lord, to make our situations and circumstances better. And, Lord, we're so hard-headed that we, we can't get through that through our thick heads. But Lord, I just pray that you would humble each and every one of us, Lord, to fall at your feet and lay our burdens and cast our burdens at the throne. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And these are David's last words. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. Who, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Now I want to I want to point out something right here. This is not people. This is not just talking about kings or governors or or things of that nature. We we want to our natural thought wants to wants to go to those who rule over us. But but we all have a place of authority in somebody's life. So this very directly applies to us, men leading your family. This applies to you. This applies to you. And, and what does he say right here? He says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he was on my tongue. The God of Israel, the rock of Israel, spoke to me. <clears throat> he said, He who rules over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. In other words, in order for us to justly rule or, or lead, we must have our lives right in submission to God. Okay? We must be in the right place in God's authority over our life in order for us to rule in the same way over those we're responsible for. Those who's, who we're spiritually responsible for. Or those, even it applies to me and my job. I, I am responsible for leading about 200 and, I don't know, people. And if I get out of, of 
my relationship with God in the right way and I'm not obedient to His authority over me, I can't apply and have the right ruling or um, I can't lead my people in a just way. Does that make sense? So even though we like to think of the first person we probably like to think about is the president. But, but yes, it applies to him. But it applies to me too. This, is, this has personal application for each and every one of us. As does all God's Word. Amen? Alright. Verse 4. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after the rain. In other words, there's no question in where we stand. It's not cloudy. We're not, we're, we're not on the fence. We're not on the fence about our morals or our, our principles that we live by or the attitudes in our life. It's clear. It's very clear. Someone, those, those that we're responsible for or, or those in our family can, can look at us and see very clear at where we stand and what we, and what we stand for. Verse 5, although my house is not so with God, yet He has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and my desire. What is He saying right there? He's, he's like, I have trouble in my own house, David said. Well, I don't know about you, but we all got troubles in our own house. But look at what He says next. Yet He has made with me an everlasting covenant. If I am responsible to be what I'm supposed to be, and, and, and I am obedient to God's Word and His principles and at the application of it in those that are underneath me, He's made an everlasting covenant with me and ordered in all things that are secure. It can't be taken away. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. That should be our desire. My desire should be that I am completely and wholly honoring what God is doing in my life and how He is directing my steps and, and, and what He is, has ordained for me to do and lead my life and those underneath me. And, and in that, He be glorified. In Him only. Period. I had a very interesting conversation the other day with, 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 it's amazing when, is this too loud? I'm getting a lot of, <coughs> with a gentleman that I would never, ever, ever would have guessed this conversation come from. And it's, it's a conversation that I've had with you many times or a point that I've made to you many times he walked into my office and sat down and I, this gentleman has has worked with me for well I've been there 24 years and he sits down and he goes now we, we don't we haven't talked about religion God and, and I know he is a devout Catholic he, he has shared that with me he walks in and he sits down in my office and out of nowhere and, and I'll be quite honest with you, my first thought was, I do not have, this man likes to talk. I mean, likes to talk. 
He sat down in, in the chair over there, and I was like, oh, this is not, I do not have time for you today. And the first thing out of his mouth was, he goes, it blew me away, just blew me away. He goes, you know, everything I have is on loan from God. And I looked at him and I went, yeah, I know that. He goes, I was trying to tell my wife last night. We were looking at my retirement and, and, and we hadn't looked at it in, in four years. And he said, it blew our minds. And the first thing out of my wife's mouth was, was look what you've done. He said, I had to stop her. Tell her, hey, this, none of this is ours. It's on loan from God. He, it's a blessing from Him. And that's, that's, that's a principle that, that I strive every day to live by. But, but the, the, the thing about that that struck me so odd was there had been no conversation leading up to that. No conversation leading up to that. And he walks in my office and sits down and, and gives a very profound principle. And when he, when he finally got up, because I told you he liked to talk, when he finally got up and left, I thought, wow. I come to work, and for the most part, I don't think about God's influence through me on my people. But what a mistake. Because we've got example after example after example in Scripture where when, when, when a godly person is put in a place of authority, how his people are blessed by that. Now, I don't know what influence I had on any of that conversation, if any. But it was a reminder to me, I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me that listen, listen, your role in your leadership, no matter where it's at, if God has placed you in it, is super, super important. And it's not to be taken for granted. It's not to be taken for granted. I shouldn't go out there and think, well, you know, my spiritual influence doesn't, doesn't have any effect out here at work. Because that's not the case. That's not the case. Even though I'm not standing up there preaching sermons, I'm walking a walk. I'm not testifying at work. But I'm a living example. I'm a living example in front of people just like you are. You say, well, I don't touch that many people. You know what? You can't even put to count the number of people you touch. and You don't even realize it. You can't even put that to number. Because it's far-reaching. It's far-reaching. And... and and we must keep in our mind what, what, what David is, is saying right here about, listen, if, if I am responsible to what God has ordained me to do and, and I am obedient to His principles and His precepts, then those underneath me can be blessed in whatever capacity they are. Now, the moment I get out of line and mess up what can happen, it can affect them too. That's a scary thought too. That's the scary... Hey, let me tell you something. That, that is the scariest thing for me about this role. 
that I'm in. If I mess up, it's got a direct effect on you. You didn't ask for it. You hadn't said you'd stone me to death. Bringing that kind of stuff on you. But that's why you have an individual responsibility, like I've said a thousand times, like I've heard my dad say a thousand times, that if I say something out of line, you need to come tell me. I'm just a man. You need to check what I tell you against the, the Word of God. Because I'm, I can make a mistake. Verse 6. Hold on, no, I didn't finish 5. Although my house is not so with God, yet He has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and my desire. Will He not make it increase? Very important not to leave that out. If you are living a life responsible to, what, to where you're supposed to be and the things that you're supposed to be in Christ Jesus, it's going to increase. He's going to bless you and bless you and bless those around you that you have an effect on their life. It will increase. Verse 6, But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands, but the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. Well, that sounds like take up guns and, and swords, and doesn't it? No. Arm yourself with the things of God. That's what it's saying. Arm your things, arm yourself with the things that are righteous. We fight our battles with, with, that against spiritual principalities with the, with the righteousness of God. And, and, and the, the, the things that, that He has placed and given us to discern and seek out and see that, that evil. And that's how we fight our battles. That's the only way they burn with fire. I hadn't, I hadn't seen anybody shot lately that was consumed with fire. But I'm going to tell you something. Hell will consume those, those lost with fire. That's what he's speaking about. Go with me over to chapter 24. I'm not going to read through all those people who were... Uh, you, can, you can read that for yourself about all David's mighty men and who they were. I want to move over to 24. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Uh, sorry. Let me start over because I, I I lost again. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved he moved against David. He moved David against them to say, "Go number Israel and Judah." Now let me stop right there. I, I that he right there, in my opinion, is Satan. Okay, I want to I want to jump over here to Exodus thirty. Exodus thirty, twelve, and it says this. Okay, when you take the census 
of the children of Israel for their number, then every man should give a, a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. Okay? So, I think God allowed Satan to tempt David here. And David gets out there on his own and goes and does a census. Okay? Because we're going to see here in a few minutes that it was a sin. Okay? So stay with me here. So the king said to Joab in verse 2, the commander of the army, who was with him, now go throughout all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more there than there are. And, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? He's like, why do you want to do this? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan and camped in Aror on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of God, of Gad, and toward Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tadim Hashi. They came to Danjon and around the, the Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to the south of Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of the nine months and 20 days. It took them nine months and 20 days to go count these heads. Think they missed any? Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. I'm going to tell you something. Can you imagine counting that many people in nine months? I can't. I can't. But watch here. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away from me the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Let me tell you something. When, when the Holy Spirit convicts you that, that, that you have, have sinned against God or you have gotten off track and, with your life, the very first responsible act is to repent. is to repent. That's the first responsible act that we have to do. When the Holy Spirit works inside of us, listen, I, I, I'm guilty as anybody. I put it off. I say, oh no, I come up with excuses. Anybody else come up with excuses? Well, Lord, I did that because... I, my attitude wasn't wrong. I, I didn't do that to sin against you. I Isn't that right? No. Just repent. The moment the Holy Spirit shows you you're wrong and convicts you, repent. There's blessings in that. There's rewards in that. 
It's going to happen. There's only one that hadn't, 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 hadn't messed up. But as, as children of God, we've got to learn, we have to learn that, that when, when the Holy Spirit shows us something, we've got to react. We can't be defiant. You say, well, I don't have an attitude of defiance. Well, if you, it, yeah, you, you really do. I don't have an attitude of rebellion. Yeah, you really, If you don't immediately submit yourself in, re, in repentance, you do. You may not think it's malicious, but it's there. Oh, there's, there's a great lesson in that. And then if we go back to being in a, in a place of authority over people, think about the consequences that's fading out to those people when we don't immediately repent. Think about the, the, the blessings that people may be being robbed of or, or not being able to experience because the person that's in authority over their life isn't, isn't where he should be or she should be. Repentance. Repentance quickly when, we, when the Holy Spirit convicts us. Verse 11, Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it, for you, do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while these pursue you? Or shall there be three days of plague in your land? Watch David's response. Now consider and see what the answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am great in distress. Aren't, don't we get in great distress when we realize we've sinned against God? I hope we do. I can remember as a child, if... If I knew that I had wronged mom and dad, or I had I had been rebellious, it wasn't what I thought I was. I was rebellious wasn't even in my vocabulary, but that's what it was. Oh, it made me feel awful. It made me feel awful. And until I made amends, until I repented to them, I didn't get any peace. Isn't that the same way it works? With us and God, when the Holy Spirit convicts me, don't don't you just feel pathetic? And and though we know we got a spanking coming of some form and dread it, the only way to get back into the right relationship with Him is to clear ourselves and repent it, right? Here's what he says. And David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for His mercies are great. Do not let me fall into the hand of man. Well, I got news for you. If somebody's going to judge me, I want it to be God. Because nobody has more mercy than Him. Isn't that just a beautiful thing there? 
He said, for His mercies are great. But do not let me fall in the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning until appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. Now there was still great consequence, wasn't there? There were still great consequences. 70,000 died because of David's sin. But he said, I, I, I don't care what it is. Let the Lord be the one to decide. Just please don't let me fall into the hand of man. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know of any man walking the face of the earth that I want to lay my judgment in front of. But oh, what, a, what an important thing for us to realize that, it, that, that how, it, how critical it is for us to maintain the right relationship with God. And that when we, when we sin and against God, that it has great effect on other people. It's not just you, honey. It's not just you when you mess up. You say, well, my, my family's grown and gone. It don't matter. It don't matter where they're at. doesn't matter where they're at. Where they're at. When you sin against God, there's an effect on somebody down the line somewhere. The Bible says the sins, sins of the fathers were passed on to how many generations? Third and fourth generation. Do you not think that we're still paying the price for Adam? Sure we are. That's why it's so critical that we understand our personal responsibility to Christ. Our personal responsibility to, to, the, to the knowledge of Him that He's given us, the light of our walk that He's given us, and the re revelation of, of Him. Because it's not just you that you're playing with. It's not just you that you're playing with. Uh, verse 16. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from, this, from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arinah the Jebusite. So he had mercy right there, didn't he? He had... God had mercy at the 70,000. Then David spoke to the Lord then, uh, then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, "Surely I have sinned, I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house." He's still begging for their for his mercy, isn't he? We should be too. We should be too. Father, I'm the one that sinned against you. Let me pay the price. Okay? Verse 18, And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arinah the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. 
obedience. Now Arinah looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arinah went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arinah said, Why was my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arinah said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arinah has given to the king. And Arinah said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arinah, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built the altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. It cost us something to be forgiven for our sins. Have you ever... Has it ever not cost you something? It cost us something. There's great blessing on the other side when we come through that repentance and and that forgiveness. But we have to pay a price. Just like the price was paid on Calvary for all of our sin. There is a price to be paid when we sin against God. And David understood that. And he said, no, I'm not going to just take this for nothing. God wouldn't honor it. It's got to cost something. There's a great cost when we're disobedient. And, and it multiplies, like I've said this morning, to we can't even count. Or the potential of it does. And we must realize that that no matter who we are, we serve in some place of authority in someone's life. Believe it or not. You you may sit there and think, I just don't... don't, I'm telling you, there's a grandchild, there's a niece, there's a nephew. There's there's somebody that, that, that looks up to you and watches your walk with Jesus. And, and when you are disobedient and sin against God, they see it. And it spills over in their life. And that's why it's so critical that we maintain that right relationship with Him. Humble ourselves before Him. And the moment when, when, we, when we walk astray, we seek that repentance. We, we get that first step of regeneration, which is repentance. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the Word of God. Thankful that you've given us a road map to you. Father, we just ask that you would continue to be with your people. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that's represented here this morning and those that can't be here. Lord, 
the times that we live in are no secret to you. Lord, you're the one that controls the clock. We just ask that you would keep us. Wrap your arms around us, protect us, and give us the spiritual wisdom to discern the things that are happening around about us. Give us the wisdom to lean on you and not things of this world. Give us the grace and mercy to endure to the end. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.